0: Welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and I am always happy when I get a chance to talk to Pastor Rusty George. He is going to be my guest. I love this series I've been doing. We'll probably end it uh, sometime in December, but it's a new friend, the same seven questions. I want everyone to build and strengthen their evangelism and apologetics muscle. And when you hear these questions asked and people respond, I love, because I do believe it helps you with your Uh, confidence in how you share Christ with others. So, uh, Rusty George is the lead pastor at Real Life Church in Southern California. It's got several, it's a multi-site church with campuses uh, all over, and he's also author of a book called After Amen, What to Do When You're Waiting on God, which is a great book. Rusty, welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Bill. Honored to be back with you.
0: Well, I appreciate it, and I appreciate you taking my invite to do my uh, new friend same seven questions. I consider you a friend, and I have I have a, an idea as to how you'll answer this, but I don't know for sure, so let's get started.
1: <laughs> that sounds great.
0: Yeah. First one might be a little bit of a softball, but is man separated from God?
1: Wow, that is a great question, and I think that's a question a lot of people are asking today. Uh, it used to be what seemed to be a softball question. It seemed to be pretty evident that we are, but in our new day and age where people feel like Uh, I'm a good person. Yes. I kind of make up my own spirituality as I go. (laughs) I'll cobble something together, Mm -hmm. and God will sort it out at the end. Yep. Um, I think we do wonder about that. But I think that we can look at at our world and see that we are definitely doing our own thing, and it's not turning out well for us. So from the theological perspective, I would say, yes, we are separated from God because of sin. God is a holy and perfect God, does not dwell with sin. And so because sin uh, stands as the barricade between us and him, we are separated from him. Can we still live in God's created world? Is he still present in our world? Absolutely. But there is some kind of a barrier between us and him.
0: And Rusty, wouldn't you say that religious people or people who call themselves spiritual uh, are some some of the hardest people to reach for Christ?
1: Absolutely. Because I think that we all, I mean, everybody has some kind of way they're trying to, to bridge that gap. And it might be through works, it might be through cross my fingers, and it might be to deny that that gap is there. But every time you see a news story of something that you think, boy, that should not happen, that's an indicator that there's something broken in our world. And every time you do something to somebody that you love and you think, I wish I hadn't have said that or done that, that's an indicator of the brokenness that you and I have in our hearts and so we're all trying to figure out a way. I mean, every major world religion has some kind of way to bridge that gap. It might be works. It might be in Hinduism, it's reincarnation, um, and you try to do a little bit better next time and keep scaling up. It might be to um, separate yourself from uh, from the physical world through Buddhism or uh, Zen meditation. Uh, it might be through um, sacrifices and works through things like uh, uh, Judaism, uh, or becoming a Muslim, a uh, certain amount of prayers that you pray, but all of our efforts are trying to get towards God. That's the beauty of Christianity. God comes towards us.
0: Mm-hmm. Rusty, how about if somebody said this to you, um, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not separated from God. I don't believe what you believe, but we're all God's
1: children. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just like with my kids. Yeah, they're my kids, but they can leave home. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, they can certainly walk away and I think that everybody's experienced that to some degree because they've had a, maybe a wayward child or a child that just doesn't get engaged anymore once they leave the house. Um, they're begging them to call, but they never do. Um, I, I think that all of us, so we're created by God. Um, there is this distance between us, and and you know Dallas Willard said God will let everybody into His heaven who can possibly stand it. Um, the, the idea there is that heaven is a place where God and us are no longer separated, and His watchful eye is present, ever present in our midst, which now we don't always sense that, but I, I think, and I'm digressing here and probably into some other questions, but basically, we live with this knowledge that we're God's kids, but God isn't around. Uh, that's a popular term called deism that kind of separate or that kind of encapsulates. That. I don't, many Christians are practicing deists? Mm-hmm. So just kind of we pray and then we go on our may, on our merry way and kind of make it happen ourselves. But to say that, yeah, I'm God's kid, and we'd never be separated, uh, is to basically say that your kids always stay home, and they don't, and yeah. they wander. We all do.
0: Yeah. Pastor Rusty George is my guest. We're continuing our series called New Friends, Same Seven Questions. Rusty, let's go to, what is the fate of the lost? And when, you, when, when I say that word lost, what does lost mean?
1: Well, that's a great question. You know, lost is simply untethered. Uh, if you remember the game we used to play as kids on the tennis court or on the, the playground as kids, we'd have that tether ball thing with a large pole and then the, <laughs> the ball on a string and you'd hit it real fast, trying to, trying to tangle it up. I think we what we all experience is at some point in our life, we cut that string and that's what happens when we sin. And now we are tetherless. We are on our own. And and people that are, that are sensing that feel that they feel this, I'm grasping for something to have a foundation in my life, something to give me sure footing, something to help me pick myself up when things are down. And, you know, Jesus referred to this as like, it's like a lost sheep that's wandered away. It's like a a lost son who's walked away willingly. Um, And the father is pursuing them. What is the fate of the lost? Uh, I would would say it this way. The fate of the lost is to live in eternity separated from God. Now, Jesus referred to that as hell. What does hell look like? Well, there's a lot of theories on that, and we certainly see pictures and images of that. But I don't think we completely understand what it is like to be outside of God's watchful eye, to be outside of God's presence. Even though we walk away, we still live in a universe where God exists. And to finally get our wish to not be bothered by God anymore, it would be a horrendous eternity where we are just left to our own fate without a kind and loving God. I think, and, and I believe it is C.S. Lewis that says, no one is sent to hell. God finally relents and gives them what they've been asking for, and that is to live in a world without God.
0: Hmm. Rusty, when uh, people talk about becoming saved, I, I would love for you to, to get saved. When people hear that, one of the questions that is in their head is, well, "What what am I saved from? How would you answer that?
1: Yeah, I think that's a term that's been really Americanized over the last hundred years, um, where we kind of look at things from the perspective of, all right, I'm destined for hell, now save me. And now I am saved, and I won't go to hell anymore. And maybe that's a, I prayed a prayer, I was baptized, I joined a church. It's kind of a works-based mentality. What we're saved from is an eternity without God, mm-hmm. uh, where we're left to our own devices. And to be saved is to be rescued uh, by Jesus. And, and so what does that look like? Well, it's a little bit like if you were drowning and I threw you a life preserver. Um, you know, I, I pull you to shore by the life preserver. Well, who saved you, the life preserver? No, I did, because I threw you the life preserver. But at some point, you got you to gotta grab a hold of the thing. You got to let me pull you in. And to be saved is to be rescued from that eternity without Christ that he has made a way for.
0: So good. Now, I sometimes think of that night um, the Titanic went down, and if you were going to live, you would have to be rescued. There was no plan B. Nobody said, nah, I'll just swim to shore. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It just wasn't an option. You had to be rescued. And so um, I like that. Uh, Let's move on to the next question. Uh, What is the point where someone is saved, they become saved, and how do you do it?
1: Yeah, I think that's where a lot of us, we kind of get tripped up because we assume it's a one, two, three process, and now suddenly it's done. Um, And, you know, I grew up with the five-finger exercise, which meant you hear the Word of God. Uh, you believe it, you confess, you repent, you get baptized. And mm-hmm. that's the, the the way that it all transpires. I think that you see this time and time again, where Jesus keeps telling people, um, follow me. And, you know, if you're watching the TV show, show The Chosen, you've seen this over and over again, where this, this motley crew of people, Jesus keeps looking at, and says, follow me. What does salvation look like? Well, it starts when you begin following him. Mm-hmm. Now, do you learn stuff along the way? Absolutely. I think there's different levels of And, you know, what Peter knew when he died was a whole lot different than what Peter knew when he first started following. And it's really this this decision of, I'm going to transfer my trust. So my trust was in me, or my trust was in a religious system, or my trust was in, I hope I'm good enough. But now I'm going to trust that Jesus is the one that gets me to heaven. I'm going to follow him. Am I going to be perfect? No. But I'm going to transfer my trust to him I'm 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 betting my life that he is the one that not only, you know, conquered the grave, but promises to do the same for me, and I will experience that because he said so. Yeah. so I'm transferring my trust to him. Now, I come from a faith tradition that holds firmly to Acts two thirty eight, which is when you know the people cried out to Peter and they said, What must we do to be saved? And he said, Okay, well, repent of your sin, which means do a one eighty, I'm gonna follow after Jesus, and be baptized into him which was something they've clearly understood because many of them were Jewish and they understood ceremonial washings. And that was a way to set yourself apart for God. Mm -hmm. Is there anything magical in the water? I don't think so. Um, Certainly in some parts of the world where it's dangerous to drink, but I think what you see is I am making a statement of faith to people around me of, I am in on this.
0: I I appreciate that. When, when Jesus said you must be born again, that, Mm. that, being born from above—that's that even, you know. I understand we're to follow Jesus. It seems that being born from above is an event. It seems that way to me. It was for me anyway.
1: Yeah, it was for me as well. Um, and I, but I think there's certain mile markers along the road. Um, I think there's a moment you you know you make Jesus your Lord and in the moment you make Him your Savior, it usually happens in the opposite fashion. Where we, <laughs> True. You know, we, give, we make Him our Savior. I need to be saved, and we're baptized into Him. And then somewhere along the line we decide, boy, I have not surrendered every area of my life over to His Lordship. And I think that we're in a constant battle of that all the way till till eternity. Mm-hmm.
0: So when we uh, start that following Jesus uh, life and commitment, can we have assurance that when we die we'll be in His presence?
1: Well, I think so, because it seems that Jesus says so. and It seems that um, the people that uh, came after Jesus continue to talk about that. I mean, Jesus says this to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Um, uh, And, you know, he mentions it from water and the spirit. He he mentions this to um, uh, the people that he meets on the streets from the adulterous woman to Zacchaeus. And they all have, you know, kind of different encounters with him, but they decide to follow him. And then he even says this to the thief on the cross who had no ability to be baptized at that moment. But his simple profession of faith, Jesus says, you know, you'll be with me in eternity. So it really is this this conscious decision to transfer our trust over to him. And because of that, you know, the apostle Paul says that I'm convinced that neither height nor depth nor, uh, you know, principalities or uh, angels or demons can separate us from the love of God. Um, Now, does that mean we can't walk away? Well, that's a whole other question. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, are, are we, you know, is there eternal security is the phrase people like to use. And I, I don't know. I can tell you that it does seem to be a choice. I mean, the rich young ruler is offered a choice to follow Jesus and he walks away and Jesus doesn't chase after him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have people that you see that were following him like Ananias and Sapphira and they clearly decide to make their own decision. So I think only God knows the heart. I think we like to get really complicated in, all right, well, you know, can I preach this person into heaven after they've died? Do I know that they've been saved? I, I can just tell you, I think that, you know, as, as Willard said, gotta will let everybody in who can possibly stand it. And, and basically our followership and our decision to transfer our trust proves that.
0: Mm-hmm. I'll take a little break. My guest is Pastor Rusty George. We're continuing our series on New Friends, Same Seven Questions. Rusty is the lead pastor at Real Life Church in Southern California. He's also uh, an author. Um, and his l- l- last book is called After Amen What to Do When You're Waiting on God. We'll take a short break and be right back. Mm-hmm. I'm back with Pastor Rusty George. He's the lead pastor at Real Life Church in Southern California. He's also a loyal Kansas City Chiefs fan, so most Sundays he's in a really good mood.
1: <laughs> well, you should be too. The Vikings are oh, great this year. Come on.
0: They're <laughs> Yeah, but they're uh, they're probably setting us up once again for some kind of heartbreak. <laughs> they usually yeah. do, but no, they're having a great you know, season. Maybe
1: so. Yeah. Maybe so. It's a yeah. weak division.
0: Yeah, I know. Well, we're talking about uh my little series called New Friends, the same seven questions, I hope it builds up your strength and muscle for evangelism and apologetics. And we are uh, like all the way down to question uh, number five, Rusty. Do you, uh, do, do you believe that uh, all who put their tr- trust and faith in God, m- they move from death to life? And what does that mean?
1: I do. Uh, I think that we see this uh, not only in the stories we read about Jesus, what happens to the people around them, but the Apostle Paul says in Second Corinthians, I believe it's 517, uh, for all of you uh, who uh, have given your life over to God, you have moved from an old creation to a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And that seems to be this defining moment of, even though it is a process we go through, even though there's moments where we get clearer and clearer, um, that transfer of trust of saying, I'm putting my trust into you, Jesus. I'm declaring you the Lord of my life. I'm being baptized into you. I'm confessing my sin to you. These things that we see that are so evident. The moment you transfer your trust over to Jesus, it appears that He has made you a new creation. Now, do you still have habits? Absolutely. Are you still, you know, have the same tendencies to go different directions? Absolutely. It's a little bit like when I moved from Kentucky to California, it was a big change. And I got out here. And there, when I got, walked out of my house to get in my car and drive to work, I was confused. I didn't know which way to go. Was <laughs> it in my, in my standard way to go? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I, uh, when we got to wintertime and I put on my heavy coat and I walked outside and it's still 70, I thought, <laughs> wow, I, I don't need to do this anymore. You know, mm-hmm. there's just certain habits that you have that you begin to uh, transform and those begin to happen over a period of time, but I'm still marked. as as a Californian, even though I am from Kentucky. And I think what happens is in this state, when you transfer your trust to Jesus, your mark as a Christian, then the Holy Spirit begins to take up residence in your life and do a new work to where as much as you will yield to him, the fruit in your life begins to turn from anxiety and greed and selfishness and anger into things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. Does it happen overnight? but it certainly does begin to happen.
0: Mm-hmm. So when we move from death to life and we're a new creation in Christ, I know there's this, uh, there's a sin nature that lives inside of us, but shouldn't we start hating sin? Shouldn't we just grow to hate it?
1: I think that happens over time. Uh, and for some people it happens immediately because you recognize, boy, my sin tendencies took me down a road that nearly cost me my life or mm-hmm. it cost me a marriage or it cost me a career And that anger towards that becomes very evident. For some, we've just been kind of mildly just going through life, just, you know, like Forrest Gump would say, floating like a feather on the breeze. And we find ourselves thinking, boy, I really need to be tethered back to something that's solid. That's Jesus. I'm coming to that. And the hatred of sin may not happen right away. But over a period of time, you begin to see and crave the things of God. The scriptures say, taste and see the Lord is good. And the more you crave those things, um, the less you want the, the things of the flesh. You know, personally, I love fried food. I love Oreos. I mean, that's just the way I was raised. But you live in California long enough, and you drink enough wheatgrass and juice and <laughs> eat healthy and all that. Uh-huh. I'm by no means a vegan, but... Right. I certainly recognize how I feel differently uh, when I have uh, you know, eaten all the fried foods and Oreos versus uh, how I, I could potentially eat and live. And you begin to crave those things.
0: So maybe some of the positive peer pressure, or maybe we'd call it Christian fellowship, helps us in our sanctification.
1: Oh, I'm so glad you said that, because the people out there that are thinking I can do this spirituality thing on my own, boy, you are missing it. Because when, when you read through the scriptures and it says, you know, you need to do this or you should do this or those kind of things, and even talks about the fruit of the Spirit for you, the Greek word that's used there for you is plural. So as we would say in Kentucky, the word is y'all. <laughs> I like so, it. The plural version of y'all is all y'all. And it, it's, it's really more of not just fruit of the Spirit in your life, but rather the fruit basket you are a part of in your church. And that's why, listen, the church is full of people that make mistakes. And when people say, I don't want to be a part of a church because they're full of hypocrites, I like to say, well, there's room for one more. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But but we need each other because there's times I roll into Sunday service or into my, my small group and my faith is low, but somebody else's is high and it raises mine or vice versa. And I can raise theirs. Mm -hmm. different people receiving different answers to prayer, and we need that to inspire us, uh, rather than feeling like we're all alone.
0: Yeah, great point. Rusty George is my guest. Uh, Rusty, let's move on. Um, When we become believers, um, does God give us all we need for life and godliness?
1: I believe so. Uh, We read about that in the fact that Jesus said when he left, I'm leaving so that another could come. Which is the comforter, as he refers to, the paraclete, which is the one uh, that is the third in the triune nature of God, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, and he's better than me. Now, we don't, I mean, many people like to debate is there a hierarchy amongst the Trinity? Is the Spirit really better than Jesus? I think what he means is he's better than me because he doesn't live in skin and dwell across the room from you. Now he's going to dwell within you. And we all get that opportunity. So the moment the Spirit takes up residence in your life, my goodness, you have the same power living in you that raised Christ from the dead. So yes, change is possible. And yes, you can be different. And yes, supernatural ability is there. Does that mean you can go out and you can, uh, you know, levitate a car or uh, do various things like that? And I think the better question is, why would you need to? Yeah. Uh, but the Spirit gives you the power that you need to do exactly what it is you need to do. It might be breaking addiction. That might be have the courage to move from one state to another, plant a church. That might be the ability to evangelize in your own uh, job when you'd rather just quit and run. Uh, it might be the, the supernatural ability to walk out of, a, out of a, an abusive relationship, uh, to say no to something you never thought you could, or to say yes to something you always thought you should.
0: Mm-hmm. Last question, Rusty, just with about a minute or so left. Um, when we submit to him and we die to ourselves, will we have an abundant life?
1: I believe so. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. And anybody who's able to predict their own death and resurrection and pull it off.
0: I <laughs> That's an excellent point. <laughs> That's an excellent point. Yeah. People so
1: I am going to go with that.
0: Okay. I mean, I know people are concerned about their own personal happiness and they think, well, my definition of abundant life is when I'm happy. And I always think, well, it's great to be happy, but it's really great when you're walking obediently uh, to God's will for your life. And, um, I think that's well, when you enjoy an abundant life.
1: You're exactly right, Bill. I think. I mean, let's just read the tabloids. Yeah, People, right. We thought had all the beauty and all the power and all the success, and they're miserable. I know. Which tells me that abundant life isn't having all that stuff. Abundant life is something deeper, and there's something better than happiness, and that's joy, and that's a byproduct of having the Holy Spirit. That's what we all long for.
0: Yeah. Rusty, thanks so much for doing this. This has been a blast. I loved having you on the show and talking about. Um, these questions?
1: Well, I'm honored to be asked, honored to be considered a friend, and praying for your Vikings unless they play my Chiefs.
0: (laughs) All right. I will do the same for you. Thanks so much, Rusty. (laughs) Thank you. You bet. Pastor Rusty George has been my guest. You can go to PastorRustyGeorge.com. Learn more about him. We'll take a break and be right back. show so glad that it is this season of thanksgiving and gratitude and we should always be giving thanks to the lord come let us sing for joy to the lord let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation that's psalm 95 but i'm going to talk today about thanksgiving and it's sometimes this time of year is a perfect time for that good old attitude adjustment to help me do that is beverly canaris she was a formal a former bible study fellowship leader, teacher for over 30 30 plus years, and um, always glad to have her on the show. Beverly, welcome.
2: Thank you, Bill. Great to be here.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about this season we call Thanksgiving, which I think we all love.
2: We do. Yeah. I think a favorites? lot of people almost favor it over Christmas at times because we don't have all that clutter of the gifts and the disappointments of what those gifts were whatever it is. I mean, it's just easier to travel. It's it, everything is a little easier about Thanksgiving and it it is just um hopefully it will be a time where we will take time to acknowledge the Lord. Sometimes with the hustle and bustle of Christmas, that's even less than Thanksgiving. So let's talk about Thanksgiving a little bit today. Um, and you talked about it being an attitude adjustment. And I really think I need this attitude adjustment uh, more often than once a year, certainly. I, I need to constantly remind myself about giving thanks. It's so easy to fall into the rut, rut of grumbling, <laughs>
0: complaining,
2: complaining. Being unthankful, selfishness.
0: That's the trifecta.
2: Yeah, it really is. Grumbling,
0: complaining, selfishness.
2: Yeah, there you go. Uh, Definition of sin equals (laughs) right there. Well, Thanksgiving reminds us of our need to be thankful. At least I hope it will. And maybe this uh, teaching will help all of us to be more aware of being thankful. At our Thanksgiving table, Bill, we have for years shared three things that we're thankful for. And then we'd always give a little three by five card. And then on the other side, we'd write what we want for Christmas. And the sky was the limit. Nice. Yeah. So it was it was serious, and yet it was a lot of fun and a good way to kind of get to know each other a little bit better, you know, have some kind of meaningful communication. You know, we often say, um, oh, health, family, or Jesus, but those are really our default answers Today, we're going to look, take a look at what real Thanksgiving is. We're going to talk about the who of Thanksgiving, the what of Thanksgiving, and the how of Thanksgiving using the Bible as our guide. So if you or your family needs a brush up on Thanksgiving, listen up. I need this too. So the Bible teacher is teaching herself today. Let's start with the who of Thanksgiving The whole point of thanksgiving is not the what are we thankful for, but to whom. Just think about that a minute. That was kind of a a mind shift for me. Not what we're thankful for, but to whom. Who are we thankful to? People who do not know God can't be thankful. They can be thankful for things or what they've achieved or what they possess. They can be thankful for all kinds of things, but... If our thankfulness is not to God, it is not fulfilling its most important function, and that is thanking God and praising him. So that's the whole idea behind Thanksgiving. Now, we can become thankful to people, and I believe that we should be thankful to people. Um, I have a friend who I have been rather generous with, and this friend really has a a a flaw, I would say, almost in the character where um there's never gratitude given, there's never thanks given. And I've just kind of learned this about this person and um, you know, trusting the Lord to work in the heart and to maybe make some changes. But a thank you note seems to be a thing of the past. Am I am I right? It does. Yeah, do you get a text? I mean, text? a handwritten
0: note is pretty rare.
2: Yeah, it's almost prehistoric. Almost, yeah. Almost prehistoric. A
0: text, an email, that might be something, yeah. but a handwritten yeah. note, yeah.
2: Yeah, it takes time. You have to write it. You have to think about it. You got to put it in the mail. Yep. Got to know their address. Um, got to
0: remember how to use penmanship.
2: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. who does who that? Who writes anymore? Right, yeah. I know. But anyway, I, I'm okay with a, a text. I really am. Um, but when there's no gratitude shown, you know, I, I think how mu- how much the Lord feel when we don't show any gratitude to him for all of the many things he does for us. So here's an important point point about gratitude, about thankfulness. It must be taught. And certainly scripture teaches us the importance of gratitude and being thankful. Uh, my, My daughter, Amy, is really good with her kids. She always has them like with after birthday presents, or if I've just given them a special day gift, whatever it might be they always send me a note and personal note thanking me for the specifics of what they've gotten. And honestly, I I think it's just a beautiful training. And also then that can be um, take that and then say, and now we should be doing the same for the Lord. We should be verbally thanking him as well. A biblical text on thankfulness is found in Luke 17, Uh, I'm going to just read it to you. If you can just, listeners, picture the story as it's unfolding here. It's not long. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. First of all, Jesus is at a location where he's in between Israel and Samaria, and he's on a journey. Um, The lepers stood at a distance when they called out with that loud voice because lepers were not allowed to come into close contact with others. Uh, They even called Jesus master and asked for his pity on them. They are really in the most desperate state, don't you just your heart ache when you read about this? The, how leprosy was treated in mm-hmm. these biblical times? They were calling out for Jesus to have mercy to heal them. So often, this is us, isn't it? We call out to God, begging Him to help us, have mercy on us. We're just in dire straits.
0: I did that ten minutes ago.
2: Ah, well, <laughs> yeah. we we do have those moments daily, yeah, don't we? We do. We, uh-huh. do. we have a desperate need. Well, Jesus instructs them to go and appear before the priest at the, at the temple in order to be declared clean in front of the religious community. This is what scripture told lepers had they had to do. They had to go before the priest. The priest had to inspect them. And if they were clean of leprosy, he would declare them clean so that then they could join society and back into the religious community. Um, they were healed, it says, as they went. So this is as they took his word by faith, they were healed. So, all good so far. Mm -hmm. Beautiful picture here. Um, Yet, only one of the ten came back to thank Jesus. And note, he again used a loud voice, but this time in praise. Can you picture this? Just falling at Jesus' feet. It says he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Such a picture here. Instead of staying away from Jesus, he's now cleansed. He now throws himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And this is a picture of all of us sinners who have become contaminated with sin. When Jesus cleanses us, we should just throw ourselves at his feet and forever be a thankful person. An important note in this story that Jesus makes clear is that this guy was a Samaritan. And now he was he was not liked by the Jews. The Samaritans and the Jews had a lot of tensions between them. They were actually hated. It was not the leprous Jews who were supposed to know God that came back to thank Jesus. So Jesus's words to the one thankful, healed man is very instructive to us. Where are the other nine? Only one returned to praise God, and he was a foreigner. So here's the point. You know, we often cry out to the Lord for something, and then when the crisis has passed or the prayer answered, we just move on. We forget to thank him. I mean... Guilty, guilty, guilty on my forehead. It, I I do this and I don't want to do this. I want the Lord to remind me, help me to always look back and to say thank you.
0: Almost the relief overwhelms you. And that's the reward, right? Right. I'm so relieved that I was able to get out of this situation or...
2: Circumstances have yes. changed. Um, I so, don't feel so this you way move anymore. On. You move on. The crisis is past, right. And yep, it's so, it's an easy thing to fall into, but I really think scripture and, uh, asks us not to do that, not to forget. Even as human as that is, we need to make efforts to remember to come back to him, to fall at his feet like this one individual, and to thank him. Again and again, we read in the Bible, how many times, I didn't even look it up, because I thought, it's just got to be in the hundreds of times where it says, give thanks to the Lord. That's a command not a suggestion. Give thanks to the Lord. Psalm 118.1 is an example. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Now, in the Old Testament, there was even a specific thank offering that was to be given to the Lord. Our thanks, our, our praise is to be a sacrifice of praise as well. So by giving praise and thanks to God, it does cost us something. We have to stop and think about it. We have to be deliberate about it. Uh, We have to use our voice. Maybe we even give sacrificially because we're showing our thanks. We give God praise and thanks by really, this is the hard part, dying to self and our eyes instead fixed on the many good and perfect gifts from above. So that's our goal here today. And for this Thanksgiving, we want to have our eyes on all the good and many perfect gifts from above. Colossians three seventeen says, "And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So that really tells me, in all circumstances, in all ways, I am always to be giving thanks to God. So here's our takeaway from this illustration from Scripture: It is God that we are commanded to be thankful to. It's a wonderful privilege, it's obedience, but it's not just a feeling, it's an active, active recognition of who God is and what he has done. Thankfulness is a power that glorifies God and it grows our faith. We miss that often. The more we are thankful and the more people see us being thankful, God is is growing us and we are giving honor and glory to him. Do you want to glorify God? Thank him. Do you want to grow spiritually and encourage your sanctification or this becoming more like Jesus process, becoming holy? Do you be a thankful person?
0: I love that. Bev, I think if it's all right with you, we'll take a short break. Beverly Canaris is my guest, and she is the co-host of the podcast, She Is Becoming, and also a former Bible study fellowship teacher for over 30 years. We're talking about having a thankful heart and making sure that we uh, give God thanks in all circumstances. We'll be right back.
2: Perfect. Yeah. I'm always flexible.
0: God commands us to have a thankful heart, and that's what we're talking about today with Beverly Canaris, and so far we're focusing our attention on um, this Thanksgiving season and uh, looking at the, the who, the what, and the how of Thanksgiving, and we're going to use Scripture as our guide. If you just uh, joined us, we started talking about the who of Thanksgiving. I I can bet you know who that who is, but Bev, I think it's time to move on to the what.
2: Yes, it certainly is. Um, one of the things when we were just signing off for, for the break was we talked about what a difference thankfulness can make to us. It, it glorifies God, obviously, and elevates him, but it helps us to grow. It encourages us in our growth when we're a thankful person. We will be a more joyful person, a more content person, and a more selfless person if we are a thankful grateful person. So, all right, we know we are to thank God. Sometimes we're just, oh, I'm thankful for this. And it's just like goes in the air and it's to no one. We have to focus our thanksgiving on God. But what do we thank God for? Well, everything, obviously. But let's talk about a few specific things we can give thanks to God and his son, Jesus Christ. Scripture gives us all sorts of things to thank God for. Second Corinthians 915, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I love that at Christmas. I really do. The gift is God's surpassing gift of grace through his son, Jesus Christ. And in fact, Ephesians 2 calls our salvation a gift from God so no one can boast. So that is the the biggest thing we have to thank God for always is our salvation in Christ and what Christ has done for us and how much God has loved us in that sacrificial death of Christ. This grace gift is supreme in what we want to always thank him for. We were sinners. We were hopeless, just like those lepers we read about early, earlier. We were under God's wrath. But because of God's grace, he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to bear the wrath, the punishment for our sin on our behalf. We cannot earn this. This is a gift, which we thank God for profusely. Now, more spiritual blessings. What are So if we can change our mindset to, things uh, that we're just saying in the air, uh, let's think about it as specific things, spiritual things that God has done for us that we can thank Him for. Hebrews twelve twenty eight tells us that we receive an unshakable kingdom. We are part of something, Bill, so much greater than ourselves. Mm-hmm. Praise be to God. Thank you, God, that I can be a part of that unshakable kingdom. First Corinthians tells us that God gives us victory. So even when we may feel the most defeated, God can come in and take a situation and turn it to a victory. Scripture also tells us that God leads us. Proverbs 3, in all your ways, lean on him and he will make straight your paths. We can thank God for that. He has chosen us. Scripture says that we were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. We had no part in that. So, I mean, to thank him for that, that he knows us and has chosen us. Another thing we can thank him for is we have security in the seal of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in us and his seal is our guarantee of eternal life. We have security in him we can thank him for. We can thank him that we're never alone. Jesus promised, I am with you always. We have the privilege of prayer and are encouraged to pray about everything with thanksgiving from Philippians 4. We're to present our requests to God and then the peace of God will come over us. We have a God who rules in sovereignty, a God who sets up kings and removes kings. Now, you know, with election and politics, some of us just get all twisted up about all that thing, but we have to remember God rules sovereignly, and for that, we can thank him. We have a God who sees us, hears us, promises to walk with us through the fires of life. Think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego if you're in a fire, but There was a fourth person in the fire with them, and that was the pre-incarnate Christ. And then God closes the mouths of lions. Think of Daniel in a very precarious situation. And yet there was this other figure in the lion's den with Daniel, and he closed the mouths of the lions. Such protection. We can thank him for our protection. We are loved, Scripture says, with an eternal love. I don't know another human being that can promise you that. We can have comfort, his comfort, his protection, his wisdom. James 1 encourages us to ask for wisdom. He delights. He wants to give you his wisdom. We can thank God for that. We can thank God that he's our provider. We're told in Matthew to ask, knock, seek. No, I'm sorry, John. Ask, knock, seek. uh, And we're promised to receive, to find, and to have doors opened. We can thank him for those people who speak truth into our life. We can thank him for his word, the Bible, solid truth in a relative world. You know, it's like, who do you believe today? Mm. What do you believe, right? You're going to read your social feed and that's going to be your source of truth. What's your source of truth? Thank God that you can stand on scripture, biblical truth for the truths of what life is all about and who God is.
0: Yeah. Who wants another opinion?
2: Yeah. Oh, please. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and what's happening is we're we're a mess because we, we don't have that solid foundation. We're just uh, jello all over the place, mm-hmm. right? So we thank God for that. Um, thank God for his peace that's greater than your circumstances, that's greater than no worldly person or thing can give you peace like the peace that God can give you. Okay, we could go on forever in this area. This
0: is a list we could continue on and, and on. And on and on. And Bev, you're doing a great job. Beverly Canaris is my guest. We're talking about Thanksgiving if you just joined us. And I promise you're going to want to go to the beginning of this uh, podcast and hear it from the start. Because we were talking about the who, the what, and the how of Thanksgiving. So, please continue.
2: All right, let's look at First Thessalonians 5.18. It says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is god's will for you in christ jesus there's a direct command there so often we look at this like yeah that's just so beautiful And then we think, wait a second, this is a command. If you were highlighting all the commands in the Bible, you'd have to highlight this one as a command to give thanks in all circumstances, not necessarily for all circumstances. Um, But even in the most difficult circumstances, at least in my personal experience, I have always found things to be thankful for. Always. Always. I can, I force myself to have, be disciplined and to thank him in the hardest of times. So we are to give thanks for all things. God is at work. He is very involved in our life. Now let's just talk about some practical things. How can we go about thanking God? Well, first of all, always in prayer. Uh, we're to pray about everything with thanksgiving. Uh, a wonderful acronym is called ACTS that we can use for praying adoration, confession, thanksgiving and Supplication. So, if you just follow that every day when you begin to pray, you will end up thanking God consistently. So that's helpful. Um, a great way to re- to begin prayer is remembering who God is, thanking Him for all He's done, and before you get into your requests, because you've you've focused your mind on all God is and what He has done, and now you're ready to request from Him because your faith has been improved. Um, you can give your requests now. Uh, really confident of God hearing you. Keep a journal of gratitude. Um, I do this on a daily basis. I, I journal. And one of the things I journal is I always force myself to write something down because I can be very ungrateful, uh, write something down that I'm grateful for. And um, and then at night, often when I'm laying in bed, I'll go over my day with him just <laughs> kind of like I'm talking to him at dinner or something you know and talk to him about it but often it just ends up with a thank session you know mm-hmm. just thanking him for all the different things that happen uh another thing we can do to practically go about thanking God is look for an opportunity to witness to others how thankful you are to the Lord and why i think this can be so helpful in our families uh with our friends you know that that instead of saying this or that you can say you know i'm so thankful God was so good to me here and why um, it has a it has a, a great effect on others and encourages them to do the same thing. So this is something we can model. It's very catchy. Uh, learn more about gratitude, which is the attitude of thanksgiving. Read about Thanksgiving. Look up scripture on being thankful. Teach our children and grandchildren the importance of being thankful to God and to other people. Take time to thank people for their kindnesses. Also, thank God for them. I mean. Uh, you know, we just want to be thanking God for each other often. I thank God for this, this ministry here of Faith Radio and all it has done for so many over the years and encouraged so many people. Uh, Use scripture to thank him. Every day as you read your Bible, read with an eye to thank God for the things you read. You know, just what we read here in Luke. Thank you, God, that you can heal. Thank you, Lord, that you um, have a compassionate, gracious heart to those who are hurting and in such dire straits. So, I mean, it, it it just begs for you to respond with thanksgiving. So here's a truthful piece of information, a takeaway I'd like to call it. Thankfulness builds our faith. So have you and have I been like the nine lepers who receive so much from the Lord and yet remain thankless to him.
0: Pick me, pick me, pick me. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, my answer is yes. I know.
2: I know. We all feel the pinch of <laughs> yeah. this. Oh, yeah. It's so convicting. Uh, yes. You know, we're like that little child with our parents you know our kids don't thank us for everything we do for the oh mom thank you for cleaning up after me once again (laughs) after dinner thank you mom once again for running the dishwasher oh no 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 we're like that little child who we forget to thank of all the things that God has done for us so we really need reminders like this don't we very very often so I want to ask the listeners now how can Thanksgiving become part of your daily life not just at Thanksgiving Bill, earlier on the radio, I heard you given a promotion for the show and you gave a list of like five or six things of everything you were thankful for. You must have had Thanksgiving on your brain. And one of them was you were just so thankful for how you were given this opportunity to be a part of God's work. And that just touched my heart. I was on my way here and I kind of wanted to tear up. It was like wow, I didn't even think of that one. So, I mean, it's just endless what we can and should be thanking the Lord for. So this Thanksgiving Day, maybe you can have people read verses on thankfulness or set the stage for heartfelt sharing on what we are especially thankful to for uh, this year, but have it be focused on God. What do you want to thank God for this year, rather than just what are you thankful for? That first Thanksgiving bill was not people thanking the Indians they were thanking god it's not turkey day it's not friends giving it's thanksgiving and it's meant to be given to god
0: mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. love that you brought this to our attention today and gave us a really a great uh path that we can take ourselves on about the the who and the and the what and the how. So thank you.
2: You're so welcome. Yeah. Beverly a
0: has been my guest. And speaking of me being grateful for being in this chair and being a part of this ministry, I just want to say uh, our fall fundraiser is coming soon. So thank you for your prayers and your support of Faith Radio. You can join us for this special one day event on November 29th. And you can be the first one on your block to give if you want to do it now at myfaithradio.com. We'll take a short break and be right back.